0: Welcome to the Daily Detox Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center, integrative health practitioner, licensed occupational therapist, and your health detective. I'm excited to share with you natural, evidence based, and effective solutions for achieving wellness. Become educated and empowered to transform your health for a more vibrant and happy life. Welcome to Daily Detox. I am your host, Stephanie Center. I'm so excited to share today's episode with you. I manifested that I would someday meet our guest speaker, Morley Robbins, and then it happened. So maybe I should start manifesting more. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I'll just say you never know until you ask, right? And this year I decided to get out of my own head and ask people who I truly revere to be guests on my show with zero expectation. They would say yes. And you know what? It's always worked out. I had that aha moment that allowed me to push aside the imposter syndrome and realize that when I don't go for the best of the best, it not only impacts me, but more so it impacts you, the listener. And you're the whole reason why I do this show in the first place. So there's that. No more holding back. If this is your first time listening, thanks for joining in. You may want to actually go back one episode and start there. This is the second episode in a three-part series with Morley that's dedicated to mineral balance. Minerals are the base of our health. They are the building blocks of our health, and that's why it's important to know about them. And in our first episode, we covered magnesium and the vital role that magnesium plays in our mitochondrial health and our energy production. Magnesium is the first thing you lose in times of stress. So keep that in mind if you're going through a stressful event like a move or a job change or just any sort of big life event. If I could just only take one supplement, it would be magnesium because it's just that important to our basic, basic functions. Today's episode is all about iron. So Morley dives into the role unbound iron plays in disease progression, why you should never supplement with iron and how our very system for measuring iron, like when you, when you get your iron measured or ferritin measured, hemoglobin, hematocrit, when you get these things measured um, at your doctor's office, it's not really the best way to measure iron specifically in your tissues. So he kind of goes over all of that. And he answers the question, you know, this is something that I've always kind of thought about because I know that iron is the most abundant mineral on the planet. Why are so many people anemic? That makes no sense to me. And he answers that. And I think it's just a fascinating conversation. I learned a ton and I know you will too. If you enjoy this episode, hit the subscribe button. So you'll be notified of upcoming episodes. And if you feel led, leave me a rating and review and share this episode with your friends and family. I am totally of the mindset when we know better, we do better. So help me spread the word and make this uncommon knowledge common. If you want to get in touch with me, you can DM me on Instagram. That's one of the places where I hang out. Uh, my handle is at Holistic Stephanie Marie. And right now I'm sharing a series on home renovations. My husband and I recently bought a fixer-upper and we are working to make the home as toxin-free as possible. So I'm sharing things that we've learned along the way, like construction, paint, furniture, water filtration, all the things, right? I also have some stories highlighted on this topic under the, the heading renovations. You can also find me on Clubhouse. I'm under, my handle's just my name, Stephanie Center. I host rooms on Sundays at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on different topics and functional medicine. That has been probably my, that's like my new favorite thing to do because it's unlike a podcast where it's all one way, it, this is interactive. So people can come, ask questions, participate. I think it's just really a fantastic way to connect with people, network, make just bring, I learn something new every time I'm in a room talking with people. And so that's another way we can, we can connect is through Clubhouse. One last thing I want to share with you before we move on to today's episode, I recently found a non-toxic candle company. And to say I'm obsessed would be an understatement. I want to share this with you because I enjoy supporting small female founded American made businesses who are contributing to a better world, and this company just soared to the top of my list. I love candles and the ambiance they create. The candles have been one of my favorite things since I was a little kid, and I've been sad the past couple of years because I haven't been able to use candles once I had my my mold toxicity. Once I once I realized what was you know causing causing my my health issues. So so basically, when you when you have mold toxicity, that just highlights the fact that your body doesn't detox toxins very well, um, because mold is a toxin. And you know, you can you can expose two different people to mold, and they will respond differently. One person it might be very de- detrimental to their health, and the other person will be okay. So I'm just predisposed, I guess, to not handle toxins very well. So what did that mean? I had to get rid of my candles, and I, I diffused essential oils for a really long time. I love, I'm a total sense person. Like I love smells and fragrances, but it's just not the same as a candle. A candle just has that ambiance to it that uh, diffusers just don't have. And also um, I kind of like that smoky after, after bite there. So anyway, I finally found a, a candle company that creates products to my standards and actually these, these candles exceed exceeded my expectations in terms of, of quality. I mean, e- shoot, even the wick is non-toxic, which is just like unheard of. And the scents come in like the perfect, they're just perfect for creating like a cozy atmosphere for your home. My personal favorites are Salt Air and Dusk. Those are my two favorite scents from this company. And I think I've tried just about every candle they make by now. I also use Malibu, the Maxwell, or the Max, the wax melts. Can I speak much uh, for our bathrooms? And I think they're perfect. But this company is called Sea Love Candles. So S E A Sea Love Candles, and uh, they operate off the coast of Maine. So I think that's where the sea comes into play, and their scents reflect that. They they all kind of have that coastal aroma to them which I, I love. I think that's perfect for creating like a cozy atmosphere. Oh, main pine is another really great one. If you like the smell of pine. So I reached out to the owner to thank her for making such wonderful products. And she is giving my listeners a 10% discount. So if you are interested in trying her candles, you can use the code holistic house 10 at checkout for 10% off. So instead of getting your mom a candle from say Bath or Body Works this Mother's Day, maybe consider supporting the small toxin-free business. Uh, The candles, I I feel like candles just honestly make the best gifts anyways. So uh, no matter what occasion you're celebrating, consider getting uh, a candle. And they're reasonably priced. They're actually, I think they're like $24. So, and you get 10% off. So not bad for uh, a really good quality non-toxic candle. Okay. I just had to share that with you because I'm like really excited about them. I am. I, um, yeah. And I like supporting small businesses. So I am a small business and I would appreciate it if somebody would think to, to talk about me and what I do on their podcast. So I'm just kind of spreading the love. Okay. Let me refresh you on who Morley Robbins is and why you should pay attention to what he has to say about minerals. Morley's a really interesting guy. He is a retired hospital executive and healthcare consultant, and he chose to become a wellness coach. Uh, in the process, he has become a self-taught mineral expert. And I think I said this last time, people that are, I'm really drawn to people that are self-taught because they're genuinely curious in what they're researching. They're not necessarily externally, what's, what's the right way to put this? They're not externally motivated by a degree or a fancy title or anything. They're just truly curious and, and kind of obsessed with whatever it is they're researching. So I think that makes them even more credible in some ways. His highest purpose is to share his decade of scientific, of daily scientific research. Let me, let me just put that in there. He spends like five to six hours a day just reading research. Every time I talk to him, he's like, oh, let me share with you what I read today. I mean, he's just like constantly reading research and I just love that about him. So he, he was wanting to share the research that he's, he's accumulated over the past decade or so on the profound metabolic interplay between three key minerals, magnesium, copper, and iron. So last week, if you listened to last week's episode, we went over magnesium because that is like the foundational building block. Today we're going to cover iron. There's, there's a lot about iron that is not commercialized. I kind of feel like it's like BPA, like BPA. Nobody knew what BPA was 15 years ago. And now people know what BPA, right? It's a plastic hardener and it's super uh, toxic. It mimics the role of estrogen in the body. I feel like we need to know about iron, the way we know about BPA today. So I'm hoping that spreading this message will help will help with that. Um, and the next, our next episode will be about bioavailable copper. And I, that is so fascinating to me. And I think a lot of people are afraid of copper. And so I hope that this um, puts people at ease when it comes to copper and the wonderful things it does for our bodies. So he regularly confers with world-renowned mineral experts, so Morley seeks out people that he considers, I consider Morley an expert, he seeks out people he considers experts, so I think the people that are actually writing these research articles, I think he reaches out to them. In addition to his research, and he focuses on writing and educational conferences, so to that end, he manages two websites, which I highly recommend you check out, and I will include these in the show notes. One is gotmag.org, and that is about magnesium. And then he's got the Root Cause Protocol, and that's just rcp123.org. Super fascinating stuff. I, I highly recommend checking out both of those. He's also the founder of the Magnesium Advocacy Group on Facebook. His priority focus is understanding mineral metabolism, especially the often misdiagnosed condition of excess unbound iron, which is found in the tissues, which often presents as anemia, which we will get in, we will talk all about that today. So don't you worry. All right, I think that sums it up for now. Please help me in extending a warm welcome to the one and only Morley Robbins. Hi Morley, thank you so much for coming back. I cannot adequately express my gratitude for you. So I'm not even going to try. I I really truly appreciate your time and expertise. I think that you are out of everybody, like you are my favorite person to listen to because you speak truth and you are so well read and, and well versed in this. And and I just thank you. Thank you for coming on.
1: Well happy to be here and I like to tease my my clients that I, I don't walk on water, but I but I do wear waterproof shoes. <laughs> uh, I'm happy, to share, happy to share my information, but I'm I'm just another guy who's got a passion, and I love sharing the information that I I've yeah. read and have been processing for these low, low these many years now.
0: And for those um, who are listening, Morley and I, I feel like. It, half of our conversation just doesn't get recorded (laughs) because we just end up talking. It's just, oh my goodness. I'm just, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm in a stressful situation right now with moving and I'm not finding my words and I apologize for that, but Morley just, um, just lands these like gems of, of information that are just for me personally, aha moments. And I, I really hope to share some of these aha moments with you today when we talk about iron, because Morley has this incredible insight of the role that iron plays in our body, and our health. And yeah, I'm really excited to share that conversation.
1: And so what's going on with you is your magnesium burn rate is <laughs> full tilt. Right. And, and that's, that's where I cut my teeth in this whole process was learning about magnesium. And learning about stress, but what is stress? And there's always stress, but it's it's the um, what's really key to it is the, the body's ability to respond to the stress. That's really what it, what it comes down to. And what's also important is being able to metabolize stress. And then what does that mean? It means you've got to be able to generate energy to respond to the stress. And it took me the longest time to figure out. Why does magnesium keep leaving the body? Because it's 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 the first first mineral to go. As soon as there was stress, as soon as you started to sign your name on that, <laughs> that those housing documents, the, the mortgage, there's a little puddle of magnesium under your chair that you didn't mm-hmm. even know about. And right. it's just you start to think about what um, what the commitment is. Start to think about the time frame. Um, start to think about oh. Well, I gotta pay this note off now. Uh, mm-hmm. Just it really begins to, to change your level of awareness. But the but the key is that as what I know when we we chatted a few weeks ago, we were talking about just kind of some of the misconceptions and the misunderstandings about the minerals. But yeah. probably one of the greatest uh, misunderstandings is is the role of iron and what its importance is. I think people pretty much ast- have a mastery of what they think it's important for, like what oh, carries oxygen and helps to make energy. And, oh, iron is really important for DNA replication. And, oh, it's really important for what are called iron sulfur clusters. And so there's there's a handful of, of um, activities that iron does. And tripping on, you can't do any of that without copper. And so people don't, people don't know that. So the the analogy that I like to use is get people to, to visualize because we've all seen different um, construction projects, particularly like a big like an apartment complex or a big office building goes up, and you know anything that's over ten stories is going to have a lot of steel in, it, right? Mm-hmm. And so imagine that steel driving itself to the construction site and the steel unloads itself off the truck and knows exactly where to put itself right okay and then the, the steel is able to read the blueprint and knows exactly where it's needed right i mean steel steel is really smart right no it knows exactly where it's supposed to go and then all well, the steel can pick itself up you know 14 stories and knows exactly where to put itself and then the steel welds itself right okay no it doesn't do any of that
0: (laughs) i was trying to follow where you i was like um okay
1: (laughs) that but 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 to the average practitioner okay for their patients that's the image they have of iron in their body okay and and in a construction site they're gifted artisans driving the steel, unloading the steel, knowing exactly where it's needed. There's a really important construction foreman who, who wears glasses so they can read the, the blueprint, right, they know mm-hmm. exactly where they're going. And then there's this really gifted uh, craftsman in the tower with the crane picking up the steel and then there's these guys and gals that work on the the girders and they're, they're bolting it. And, and none of that happens without really talented people making it happen. And all of those construction people uh-huh. on a construction site are copper. Okay. Just like the copper inside our body working with the iron, but no one, no one talks about it that way. They're, they're precious fewers. There's guys like, um, mm-hmm. Jamie Collins at the University of Florida in Gainesville or Douglas Kell at the University of Manchester. There, there are a few notable um, iron researchers who know how important copper, you know. Mm. Uh, John Knudsen also at the University of Florida. You know, there, there's, just a, there's a handful that talk about this yin-yang oh. of, of iron and to the average person and to their practitioner, they're obsessed with iron. They're obsessed with it always being low in the blood. Mm -hmm. And they never talk about the difference between iron in the blood and iron in the tissue. And people think they're one and the same, but they're not. So the, the blood that's coursing around your body has to nourish the tissues, but it's not one and the same. And so that's a great source of confusion right there. And so the one of the great memes on this planet is that people are anemic. It's it's the number one nutrient deficiency on planet Earth is anemia. And when I first read that, I thought, gee, that doesn't make any sense. Because I knew there's a lot of iron on the planet. Right. And so then I researched it and it's like 34.6%. Uh, the Earth's composition is 34.6% iron. Wow. It's the number one element on the planet. So what, so what anemia in a human being represents is we are arguably the, the smartest species on the planet. Some would argue that, right? We, we could have that debate how smart we are. But we are the smartest species on the planet struggling to metabolize the number one element of the plant. Does that make any sense at all?
0: No, it doesn't make any sense. No.
1: And so on the face of it, this meme of uranemic is very troubling, but it's, it's a mantra that is taught in doctor school, and it's a mantra that doctors teach their patients. And if anyone has even the slightest hint of some issue in of regarding iron in their blood. They're deemed anemic and told to take iron. And the two biggest forms of quote anemia are one is called anemia of iron deficiency. Mm -hmm. I don't have enough iron in my body. And the other is called anemia of chronic inflammation. And they are completely different because anemia of iron deficiency would be a lack of iron and anemia of chronic inflammation is lack of copper. Hmm. They're completely different but they appear the same in the blood. It's fascinating. So the doctors aren't taught that. They're not taught that there's two forms. And the mistake that's made is do not confuse anemia of iron deficiency, with anemia of iron dysfunction. And that's really what chronic inflammation mm. is. It's iron dysfunction. And <clears throat> the, the, the part that's very carefully sequestered is you have about 4,000 milligrams of iron in your body because you're a woman. And I have about 5,000 milligrams of iron because I'm a guy. And, and men have more testosterone therefore they can handle more iron. Hmm. Fascinating. And what's supposed to happen is we are supposed to circulate that iron. We're supposed to get the big bolus of iron from mom when we're a fetus. And then during the first probably 15 to 18 years, there's an accumulation of iron as we are developing our bone structure and our tissue structure. up until the time about we're 20 years old so iron is accumulating but what people don't realize is we don't really need a lot of dietary iron after that but we live in a world now where they have exposed us to a lot of supplemental iron yeah an outrageous enough that it it was during the Beginning of the Second World War, that they started adding iron filings, not organic iron, iron filings, inorganic iron, which immediately becomes rust in our body. As soon as it appears in the body, it becomes rust. So and and that started in 19, 1941. And in 1969, they increased to 50%. But nobody really knows how much they add. And there are nine different forms of iron being added to the food system. Do you know how many of them are carcinogenic? Nine. All nine. <laughs> and so, in, in order to be co- classified as a carcinogen, carcinogen, you have to be able to initiate cancer, promote cancer, or progress cancer. Those Mm -hmm. are the three conditions. Initiate, promote, progress. There's only one element on planet Earth that does all three. Oh, no. Can you guess? Iron. Ding, ding, ding. And so, gosh, people, people don't know this. and for for your listeners that are curious, Georges, is a wonderful book by Jim Moon. It's spelled J-Y-M, Moon, PhD. And it's entitled, Iron, the Most Toxic Metal. Now, Dr. Moon just, he passed away about a year and a half ago. Great loss to humanity. Great, great um, scientist, iron biologist, and uh, wrote a very readable book for the average person. Anyone who's curious about this particular subject matter would find it an amazing read. And you're going to learn a lot of things about iron that you didn't know, a lot of unsettling things about iron. And well, it's none of this is taught in doctor school. All doctors are taught is that we need more iron and we need less copper and we'll talk about copper another time. But, but the fact of the matter is, one of the most important parts of iron metabolism is we are, um, the biggest bulk of iron in our body, 70% of the iron in our body goes to make red blood cells. So the average person has about 100 trillion cells a lot of cells, right? Yeah. 25% of them are red blood cells. And those red blood cells are supposed to live 120 days. And so every day, we lose 1% of our cells. So it's 250 billion red blood cells. That need to be replaced every day, and it takes 25 milligrams of iron. Again, you've got 4,000. I've got 5,000. Well, we got to take 25 milligrams and use that 25 milligrams to to build up new red blood cells. Where's that 25 milligrams coming from? Is a recycling system that runs in our body 24/7 and the manager is copper. Mm. And, and if the manager is not present, the iron can't get out of the cells to get back into circulation, to get down to the bone marrow, where the nurse cells down there actually produce the, the what they're called progenitor cells to make new red blood cells. And it takes 48 hours for a a little baby red blood cell to become a mature red blood cell. And in that 48 hours a lot of really cool stuff happens, not the least of which is it's got to get rid of the nucleus, it's got to get rid of the mitochondria, it's got to get rid of all these organelles inside so that it can just be jam-full, jam-full of hemoglobin so it can carry ion, carry oxygen. And it's it's amazing and what's fascinating every second every second of every day the body is hatching two to three million red blood cells, every second. And we've been talking now for about 52 minutes, right? So 52, let's do the math. Let's have some fun here. So 52 (laughs) times 60 so that's that's three thousand seconds times two million. So that's so oh. we've we've made six billion red blood cells since we've been talking.
0: That's crazy.
1: And that takes a lot of energy. Tremendous amount of energy to do that. And nobody's nobody's thinking about it. And here's the catch. Those twenty four of those twenty five milligrams comes from the recycling system one milligram comes through our mouth, Mm. through our diet. And what they've done is they've engineered the diet so we're getting more than 100% of the milligrams through our mouth. So we need, at most, 25 milligrams a day. And there are some cereals where a half a cup of cereal, whoever has a half a cup of cereal? Most people have two cups of cereal, but the half a cup of cereal is... 18 milligrams times four is 72 milligrams of iron. That's just cereal. We haven't gotten to bread, pasta, and other things that we're eating that all have iron in them. Right. And so, a, a good rule of thumb for people to be aware of is that we add one milligram of iron every day we're on planet Earth. One milligram of iron. Not my idea. These are all the leading biologists, leading iron biologists, like E.D. Weinberg, uh, Douglas Kell, uh, Robert um, Robert Crichton, really famous. He's, he's the dean of iron biology over in, in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these really big names all agree on one milligram iron per day. So I'm 68 years old, so I'm gonna take my age, I should be able to do this in my head, right? So 68 times 365. And that's how many milligrams of iron I have in my body.
0: Wow. 24,820 for those who can't see.
1: 24,820. I'm supposed to have 5,000 milligrams.
0: Wow. That is iron overload. And,
1: And the key is there's, there's a whole category of research called aging research. And what they love to tell you is that, well, people just get old. Oh, we just, we just get old. This is the aging process. It's 24,820 milligrams of iron. Interacting with the oxygen and the fact that there's not enough copper to go around, and it creates what's called oxidative stress. Yes. And you, you and I know that outside of the body, it's called rust. We know what a rusty nail looks like, a rusty pipe, rusty car. But inside our body, well, it's called endometriosis. It's called arthritis. It's called calcification. It's called yeah. you know, atherosclerosis. It's called amyloid plaques, beta amyloid plaques in the brain. That's all rust. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. Different part of the body. Same mechanism, all so the same. So simple,
0: mechanism.
1: and so the textbooks are filled with all these different terms, but it's all rust.
0: I have a question for you about all this. Absolutely. So, I want to kind of back up to something you mentioned earlier that kind of stuck with me. So, you, you mentioned that physicians are taught that iron is is good. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on how we measure iron in the body. I've heard you you talk about before how you feel like ferritin is empty shotgun shells. W- what are your thoughts on how we measure iron? How should we be measuring iron? And and w- just tell, I'm just so curious to know what your thoughts are about all of that. Like why people are being called anemic? Are we even measuring the right thing?
1: No, we're not at all. So great, great question though. So there are um, three classic ways to measure iron in the blood. We have what's called hemoglobin. Again, 70% of the blood, 70, me, 70% of the iron in our body is supposed to be tied up in hemoglobin. And so that's been used as a marker for iron status from the Civil War. So 1860 to 1972, it was the method for measuring iron status. 1972, a group of British hematologists headed up by Dr. Jacob. Jacob et al, 1972, said, no, let's stop the spotlight there. Let's move it over to ferritin. Mm -hmm. Bad idea. Because the ferritin is supposed to be inside our cells. And there's actually two forms of it. There's a heavy chain and a light chain. Heavy chain requires bioavailable copper to work right. Light chain does not. then there's a third form of ferritin called serum ferritin. And when the when the liver gets overwhelmed with iron, and can't recycle it properly, it starts to cleave the ferritin, empty the iron into the tissue, and then spit out the protein, empty protein, not my idea. There's several very important authors who who have uh, come up with this understanding. And so the the ferritin protein starts to show up in the blood and it's a recognized marker for inflammation. Mm -hmm. And then there's a third way to measure um, iron, it's called serum iron. And that's less than 4%. That's part of that recycling system. You know, the body's moving iron down into the bone marrow. It's got to get it there to, to start the, the, the rebirth of the red blood cells. And so you have these three classic forms. And they're, they're, they're not all representative of the tissue. They're not at all representative of the tissue. They're just what's showing up in the blood. And the, the most offensive of the three is ferritin. And so I've renamed it error tin. more mistakes are made using ferritin as a marker for iron status. And let me explain why.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I gave a talk last summer to uh, the Amish community in Pennsylvania. And I wanted to make sure they really understood ferritin. I said, so you all have bales of hay in your barn. And they went, Oh, yeah. And I said, so do you go outside the barn and start counting bales of hay when you want to know how many bales of hay are in the barn? And they said, no, that makes no sense at all. I said, well, that's what they're doing with ferritin. Mm. Ferritin is supposed to be inside the cell. And when it shows up outside the cell, you don't count that. That's not the problem. That's not the solution. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't solve anything. Mm. Again, the ferritin protein is supposed to be inside the cell. That's it, not showing up in the blood. When it shows up in the mm. blood, when, when, I, when I had an opportunity to have an audience with Douglas Kell, one of the preeminent iron biologists on the planet, I asked him a question. We're, we're having a, a Zoom call like this, very affable guy, he's about my age, and he's got this huge wall of books behind him and great sense of humor. And I said, Dr. Kelly, I I really want to know what's the ideal ferritin for a human being? And he said, zero. I went, excuse me? He said, Morley, I want to make sure you understand this. High ferritin in the blood is not a sign of iron vitality. It's a sign of iron pathophysiology in the Mm -hmm. organs. Do you understand that? I said, yes, sir, I do. I said, the challenge is gonna be convincing my clients. He <laughs> And That's the problem, mm-hmm. is that we've been conditioned like lab rats to think that ferritin is a surrogate for iron in the cell, when in fact we're measuring it outside of the cell, because that's what blood is. Blood is outside of the cell. It's not inside the cell. It's in the field, not in the barn, and people are totally confused. And just to really blow your, your listeners' minds, when ferritin gets too low, it's a sign of parasites in the spleen. And when hemoglobin gets too low, it's usually a sign of parasites in the liver. Mm. And that'll blow people's minds. They'll, they're going to run to, to Google to figure that one out. <laughs> but what's important is for people to realize that there are two very valid Proven ways to measure iron in the tissue. Okay. One is a needle biopsy, where they basically take a core sample of your liver. It's very painful, but it's incredibly accurate to measure iron in the tissue. And the second measure is a Tesla II MRI, and it's very expensive, but it's incredibly accurate. And all the hematologists and iron biologists doing research studies use a Tesla-2 MRI to measure iron in the brain, in the eyes, mm. in the thyroid, in the heart, in the liver, in the pancreas, in the prostate. It's, it's routine to measure in a research study, but not in, not in the two-legged rats, because that would begin to reveal too much truth. And that's where the breakdown is. And so the testing does exist, but it's restricted to the elite who can afford it or to the research studies. And the and the, the masses are left with these um, really inaccurate blood tests that aren't telling us what's really going on inside the tissue. And so one of the things we do with, with the root cause protocol is we have a, a panel of uh, of 12 markers, and we're able to interpolate what we think is going on based on our understanding of where the iron markers are, where zinc is, where the copper, both in the serum and in the ceruloplasm, where magnesium is in the red blood cell, where vitamin A and D are. And we put this together in a, in a mosaic, if you will, to really get an idea of what's really going on inside this person's body. And, and evaluate it based on the stress that they're under. Because what happens is as soon as someone's under stress, it puts pressure on magnesium and copper, and then the, the iron biology does not work the same. Mm.
0: Can um, I ask a clarification question? Sure, absolutely. So if ferritin is ideally zero, but low ferritin is a sign of parasites. Can can you yeah. explain that a little bit more?
1: That's a that's a really good question. Most practitioners who are enlightened, and there are some that really understand this, they they work with a range around 20 to 30 as being kind of this accepted that's that's a good that's a good level for people. Okay. And when and when a, a woman's ferritin rises above 150 And when a man's rise is above 300, that's considered an inflammatory sign. Okay. And so then we come back to this 2030. And what Dr. Kell was doing, he was just being provocative. He said it should be zero. It should be zero. But he understood why people spotted it at 20 to 30. Okay. the, The problem is people should be putting a lot more emphasis on their vitamin A status. Stop worrying about vitamin D. They should be worrying about their copper status and their ceruloplasm status. Stop worrying about your iron. Again, Mm. most people, the vast majority of people are swimming in iron because of the iron fortification programs that have existed in this country, especially, and, and in developed nations for the last 70 years, 80 years. We've got more iron in our body than people can imagine but it doesn't show up in the blood, and that's the game. Mm. It's in the tissue, but it's not showing up in the blood. And that's where people get confused.
0: Yeah, thank you for clarifying that.
1: Yeah.
0: And for, for our listeners who don't know what ceruloplasm is, can you just briefly describe what that's measuring? Yeah,
1: so it's um, ceruloplasm is one of the biggest proteins in the human body. Um, Most people know what insulin is. Insulin, very powerful hormone, as you know. Mm -hmm. And insulin has about 35 or 40 amino acids. Ceruloplasm has 1,066. So it's it's a big monster of a protein, but it has eight copper atoms inside it. And it's one of the master regulatory proteins in the human body. And when it when it's able to express it it has think of it this way it's like a transformer. Oh you want you want roller skates? I can do roller skates. Oh you want a skateboard? I can do a skateboard. Oh you you'd rather have a tricycle? I can do a tricycle. Oh you'd rather have a bike? Yeah, I can do the bike. Oh, you want a motorbike? Okay, I can do the motor. Oh, you want a boat? Yeah, I can do the boat. Oh, hmm. you'd rather have a plane? I can do the plane too. And the plane of ceruloplasmas, it's an enzyme called ferrooxidase. Ferro, iron, oxidase means that it's taking away uh, an electron. It's very important that it does that. And it turns the form of iron that's very toxic into a form that can be attached to proteins, which is very good. And only ferrooxidase can do that. And it's an enzyme function of this master regulatory protein called ceruloplasmin. Cerulo is a, it means blue, sky blue. And in fact, it's called the blue protein. And what most people don't know is that we have a blueprint that runs our metabolism and it runs on the energy of the blue protein, ceruloplasmin. And the guys that discovered this, Holmberg and Laurel in 1948, Thought they had discovered the holy grail it was a really big deal it's it's hard to describe how significant the finding was they never got the nobel prize and in fact they were demonized for it and big pharma has been trying to destroy it ever since 1948 and what most people don't realize is that the medications that they're taking Pain meds, thyroid meds, heart meds, this med, that med has a, a particular affinity for destroying that protein. Because if we had enough ceruloplasm, we wouldn't need big pharma. It's, it's that straightforward.
0: Wow. Well, I have a couple of questions from sure. um, a, actually her, a girlfriend of mine, Heather Riccio. She I actually owe her a lot. She introduced me to you. She goes, Steph, I think you would really like listening to Morley. Uh, But she had a couple of questions that I thought were really interesting. Um, And she was wondering um, about a vegetarian diet and iron. And also, how does that affect copper and zinc? Um, Which I know you're going to talk about copper um, in another episode. But how does a vegetarian diet affect iron and copper? And then can a vegetarian diet diet contribute to worsening hormone problems
1: and how much time do we have (laughs) (laughs) um the most iron challenged clients i have are vegans Mm -hmm. and so what's important for we were talking about that that blue protein Mm -hmm. and and so again it's it's hard for people to fathom 1066 amino acids. It's just, it's like there's a of yeah. factor to it, and and it's it's actually made all over the body. the the, the biggest production of cerebroplasm is in the liver, and then what the scientists have always assumed is that the second biggest production is in the brain. Until Dr. Chen at the University of, or excuse me, at Northwestern University in 2004, discovered that the retina of the eye makes eight times more ceruloplasmin than the brain. Again, it's an incredibly important uh, chemical in our body. And the catch, and this is a big catch, is the body needs to be able to load those coppers into the protein. There's a very specific way that the protein gets made Mm. And gets folded. It's a very meticulous process. We can't even fathom how sophisticated our cells are to do this. But then it gets sent to what's called the Golgi network. It's a little organelle inside the cell. Yeah. And that's where key proteins get what's called metalated, where the metals get put in there. And there's a comp of an enzyme. It's a copper pump, and it's pumping copper into that protein, and it has the initials ATP7B and ATP7A. But ATP7B is the pump that puts in copper into that protein, and it has a battery. And it runs on what's called retinoic acid. And so your listeners have probably taken foreign languages and they know that the verbs need to be conjugated. Well, retinol, which nobody knows about because everyone's suffering from dementia. Retinol needs to go from being retinol to retinaldehyde to retinoic acids. And there's four of them. There's all trans, nine cis, CIS, 11 cis, and 13 cis. Four different ones. Well, 13 cis is the one that runs the copper pump to put the copper in the ceruloplasm. And here's the catch. Retinol comes from fat. And fat stands for from animal tissue. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Retinol is not beta carotene. And there's something called retinol equivalence. And people think that beta carotene and retinol, oh, it's about a two to one thing. It's not. It's 12 to one. You got to have 12 beta carotene to equal one retinol.
0: Mm, So
1: you need to eat eat a room full of carrots to equal the impact of one tablespoon of cod liver oil. And and then then we have the added catch of there's an enzyme called BCMO, beta carotene monooxygenase, that is needed to convert that beta carotene into retinol. And that enzyme runs on copper, ding, ding, ding. And most people don't have enough copper, so they can't make the conversion. And so the, the challenge for vegetarians and vegans is they are eating foods, grains, produce, you know, a, a number of different foods that all have iron in them. But they don't have the retinol, the, the animal based form of it, to load the copper in the protein that's needed to regulate the iron that's building in their body. Wow. And the sickest person I ever dealt with was the, she was a 50 year old woman. And she was the daughter, she was vegan, the vegan daughter of two vegan parents. And she was a hot mess. Wow. And so sometimes I don't mean to offend people, but People need to spend more time studying the work of Weston A. Price, the Weston A. Price Foundation, and and understand what drove him to do his research. He was a dentist. And he was a a preeminent dentist from Cleveland Clinic, from from Cleveland, not Cleveland Clinic, but Cleveland, Ohio, at the turn of the century, the last century. And he did a root canal on his 10-year-old son. Do you know what happened? No, I don't. His son died. Mm. And he was shattered by that experience. And so he and his wife set out in the 1920s. They spent 10 years traveling the globe, studying perfect teeth. In indigenous communities around the world. And they identified 14 communities, you know, with Indians in Alaska, Maasai tribesmen in Africa, uh, Swiss goat herders, you know, Native American Indians. They, they wanted to know what perfect teeth were. And here's what Dr. Price knew. He knew that when we're a fetus, we have 32 buds and those 32 buds split to become 64 buds 32 32 become our teeth what did the other 32 become
0: i know the answer to this and i'm blanking i've heard you talk and about the spine. Sp- yes, yeah. the spine yes the spine yes
1: so perfect teeth means perfect spine means perfect health And Dr. Price knew that. So he was looking for perfect teeth, meticulously photographed perfect teeth, and then recorded what do they eat? And his going in proposition was twofold. They would all be vegetarian. And they would all have a low fat diet. And he was wrong 14 times. They all ate animal meat and they, the average fat consumption was around 65%. Wow. And today, if people have 30% of fat in their diet, they think, whoa, I'm really on the edge, man.
0: <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh-uh.
1: And, and, it's, and it's fat that's critically important for the chemistry of our body, especially yeah. the retinol. And retinol is found in eggs, heavy cream, cod liver oil, beef liver, those are the richest sources of, of retinol on the planet. And most people don't eat those. Mm. Most people do not eat beef liver. I've got a, a list of over six, I've, I've, I've worked, worked with over 6,000 people in the last decade. And I have a list of 12 people who got excited when I said they needed to start eating beef liver. 12 out of 6000 so people don't eat beef liver people cod liver oil that's the stuff that my great-grandmother used to take i i don't get near that mm. heavy cream no I'm, i i can't have any dairy i can't have any butter oh you want me to have butter are you kidding eggs Yeah. so there's, there's a total disconnect with
0: mm-hmm.
1: with foods that provide the chemistry that run our blueprint. Yeah. And so uh, one of my frustrations is it's very hard to find really good sources of copper. And so what I'm in the process of doing is working with a a chemist to come up with a paleo version and a vegan version so that people can start to get the benefit Mm. uh, of the copper and hopefully get get the mojo that they need in order to run all of this uh, circuitry in their body.
0: So what do you, how do you, or do you have a way to solve the issue of iron overload? Like what's the answer there? How do we reduce the amount of iron that's just floating in our bodies?
1: It's great. Great question. So we have what's called the root cause protocol. People can go to rcp123.org, donate your email address, which we will honor, and then we'll excuse me, we'll send you the, uh, the manual. It's about 32 pages. You can look up my theory of everything video. That'll help people understand what, what we're talking about here. It's about a 52 minute video. There's a two minute version for the, for the ADD set. So 52 <laughs> minutes for, the, uh, for the folks who are a little more intrigued and want to learn a little bit more. But there's a whole series of stops Things to stop doing, and there's a whole series of starts. Mm. And what will surprise people is what we tell them to stop doing. Interesting. Stop taking iron, stop taking vitamin D, stop taking calcium, stop taking zinc, stop taking iron, 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 iron. And mm. and so there's there's 12 of them. And that drives mm. people crazy. Because they think, well, but 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 there's a whole set of starts that really revolve around. Real vitamin C, not ascorbic acid. Scorbic right. acid is poison. Yeah. So again, there's a whole series of of do this, don't do that. And one of the things that will happen is, as people start to introduce bioavailable forms of copper, it will start to move the iron in their body. It will come out of storage. It's absolutely designed to come out of storage. Once, the, what what people don't realize is there's there's one doorway out of the cell for iron and it's called ferroportin, iron doorway literally mm-hmm. ferroportin, iron That's doorway so, so. and the doorman is copper and if the doorman isn't there to open up the, the door no can't open wow. i can't get in but what happens is people who are have been eating iron fortified iron supplemental iron Iron infusions and so on. The iron's all been stored. As soon as they get copper in their system, boom, the doors start opening up. Iron starts coming out, and they've got to do phlebotomies. Because there's only one mechanism to get rid of excess iron in the human body, and that's blood loss. Mm. There's no hormonal mechanism, there's no enzymatic mechanism. One is called gravity and you drop a pint of blood, and most people, the vast majority of people, feel much better. Not 100%. There may be 10 or 15% who who might have adrenal issues. Their veins may be too small. uh, They they may have too little blood volume. They may have too much iron, but they may not have enough blood volume. And so we just have to be sensitive to that. But you never know until you do the blood donation what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But the vast majority of people are just fine, and and the the Red Cross has been studying this for a long time, at least a century, and they've done study they've done longitudinal studies to see what's the what's the longevity of a blood donor versus a non donor.
0: Oh, interesting!
1: And the blood donors always outlive the non donors because they have less rust in their body.
0: Wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: So we've been we've been sold a bill of goods. We've been we've been told that we were anemic. We don't have enough iron, and we've been told that we are iron, copper toxic, which we'll talk about in in one of our future conversations. Yeah. And 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 both of them are lies. It turns out that we are swimming in iron, and we're swimming in iron because we don't have enough copper to spit at, and that's why I have this picture here, so people know that they're a copper desert.
0: (laughs) For those who can't see it, it's a picture of a camel in a desert. Yeah.
1: And, And the average person doesn't realize that they don't have enough copper.
0: Yeah. Not even
1: close to enough copper. So that back in the 30s, they were recommending that people take as much as 10 milligrams of copper. And it turns out we only absorb about 15%. So that means we would get 1.5 milligrams, which is what the body needs to run. 1.5 milligrams a day. So what did they do? They've now ratcheted down the dosing. So they give you one to two milligrams a day, 15% of that. We're talking a very small number.
0: Yeah.
1: And the average American, there was a survey done in in 2000 by Leslie Clavey. Average American gets 0.9 milligrams in their diet, and then multiply that by 15%. Wow.
0: It's
1: not enough to run the system.
0: And what you're saying, if I understand this right, is that even if you were getting the accurate, or excuse me, getting the recommended daily intake of copper, that does not solve the iron issue. It doesn't It doesn't cross out the iron issue. You still have to take care of iron. That's a separate... Problem. Okay.
1: They are they are they are joined at the hip of that blue protein. Okay. The luloplasm is working both the copper and iron dynamic. Again, that's not taught in doctor school. Mm. There is no copper metabolism. There is no iron metabolism. There is copper iron metabolism. Mm. They are absolutely interdependent. It's okay. frickin' frack. Laurel and Hardy you know ginger rogers and fred astaire
0: (laughs) i know that one
1: yeah they work together
0: yeah okay
1: you don't know know laurel and hardy you don't know those guys
0: i'm i'm sorry i don't
1: oh my goodness i really i sound like an old man now oh my goodness
0: no but i did know i knew george (laughs) bailey okay you did that's right i knew george bailey and mr potter I really like um, so when Morley and I talked, I think the very first time yeah. um, you said something that really really resonated with me and because we, so we were talking about the movie it's a wonderful life and I was comparing him to George Bailey because I feel like he's saving the bank um, with this with his you know life's work. Yeah. And he, what you told me Morley, and I'm sorry if I butcher this, but yeah. you told me that I have to understand that we're not living in Bedford Falls, we're living in Pottersville. And that was probably one of the biggest aha moments that I've had with you because this whole time I've been living in Bedford Falls.
1: Well, we all were. I I really, I did not have that epiphany until 2020. And that's Mm. when I came to realize, because I've been watching that movie for decades. And I I went, oh my gosh, we're living in Pottersville now. And that's (laughs) where... And so it's just it's a it's a helpful way to get people to see the, the dichotomy. And we, we we're all guilty of it. We want to believe that we're in Bedford Falls. Sure. Everything's sweet and and you know very uh platonic and peaceful. And no, it's not, you know, it's yeah. it's a very different world out there. And and the bankers are in charge. Most people
0: <laughs> isn't that true. Yeah, that, that was just a really good um I think imagery for me to I think it's important to understand that if I want to, you know, help in the world, if I want to be a light in the world, I need, I needed to have that understanding because to be living in a fictitious world now, I understand they're both fictitious worlds in a sense, but to be, to be living in a fictitious world is doing a disservice to others. So I thank you for that.
1: For those who've never seen the movie, be sure to watch it. You don't have to wait till Christmas to watch it. When you do watch it, know that it was filmed in July, in the hottest weather in the history of California. And when you start to see the the snow scenes, you're going to go, "Wow, how did they t- pull that off?" It's a really, really it's a really fun. There's there's some amazing statistics around that movie, but that's one that I uh,
0: really love. I didn't know that. That's really neat. That's really neat. Yeah. Well, Morley, is there anything? That I haven't asked you that you wanted to cover about iron.
1: No, I think we I think we've had a pretty relaxed conversation about it. I, I, what's important for people to learn is to ask better questions. And if sure. the doctor, if the doctor asserts you're anemic, ask: are, are you talking about hemoglobin? Are you talking about serum iron? Are you talking about ferritin? Mm-hmm. And and I'm just curious to know, is it showing up on all three? And, and do we know, you're talking about iron in the blood, right? And the doctor will say, yes. And say, well, what's, my, what's the status of iron in the tissue? And the doctor's going to end that conversation very quickly. So I think people <laughs> need to be a lot more um, yeah. discerning. And, and don't be intimidated. Your listeners now know more about iron than any doctor on the planet seriously
0: yeah
1: and they they have a better nuance of the fact that it became a problem during the second world war that it became aggravated in 69 that it's a it's a it's a carcinogen
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and so people need to be a lot more discerning and a lot more scrutinizing in getting better information and if and if anywhere along the way it pops up that they're anemic they need to go they need to go to the root cause protocol. They need to go to this conversation, but they also need to look up my name. And there's a whole series of videos I've done. You're not anemic. Yeah. You are not anemic. And I can, and I can guarantee it. So we'll just leave it at that.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's actually one of the things that brought me to your work because I, in my, just, when my health took a turn and I went to the the doctor, um, he told me you're anemic. And I said, I don't think so. I said, and, and of course I was brushed off. I was, you know, like 29 at the time and looked healthy and, and all the things. Right. And he, and I said, well, why, why am I anemic? And he goes, well, it's normal. You're menstruating. And I said, politely, I've been menstruating for I don't know, 15 years. I've never been anemic before. Why am I anemic? <laughs> and that was um talking about the end of a conversation. That was the end of the conversation. He didn't he didn't have an answer to that. And that's I didn't I just didn't that didn't sit right with me. And I wanted to find somebody who knew what they were talking about with iron. Yeah.
1: And and one of the things we can do, Steph, is um if you're game, I've done this with other other uh, podcast uh, folks. You can do the hair test and the blood test, and we'll analyze them in the course of a conversation. I think you find it fascinating. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think I think your listeners would be just like mesmerized by it, because it really gives them a very different perspective of how you can assess the body and its performance based on minerals, and that's a that's a modality that most people have never been exposed to and what what uh, an important uh, takeaway is lo- most people have been trained like circus bears to think that hormones are on the body they don't every hormone is made by an enzyme and every enzyme requires a mineral to activate it right. and what do hormones do they move minerals in a big way I'm not I'm not downplaying they're impact and their power but don't think that the hormone is running the body because it's not that's all conditioning it's all programming minerals run the body and there's a master mineral called copper that's really in charge of the show but that's not taught in many places outside of the uh, rcp institute
0: yeah I'm so excited. You all have to stay tuned and listen to our conversation about cop- copper. I'm, I am so excited for that we've, talk.
1: We've salted that conversation. Haven't we? <laughs>
0: yeah. And I will put links to the root cause protocol um, in the show notes and anything else Morley, that you want me to link. Um, so, so listeners can find you and find your work. Um, yeah. I'll just let me know what you want and I'll put it down there. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise. I feel like I took a bunch of notes while you were talking just because let Mm -hmm. me count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. I had 13 aha moments during this conversation. (laughs) That's great. Well, good. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm
1: really, um, I'm happy. I hope your listeners are enjoying it. And again, I'm sure they're going to have more questions and we'll just pick those up the next. Around. I think we're going to talk again in like two weeks. Yep. And and we'll just we'll pick it up there.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again, Morley. I really appreciate you.
1: You bet. Okay. Thanks so much.
0: All right. That's it for today's episode of Daily Detox with Steph. I hope you learned a ton. I know I did. Join us next week for our third and final episode of this three-part series on minerals. We will visit bioavailable copper. It is fascinating. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with friends and family. Help me get the word out there on this stuff. I don't do advertising or anything for this podcast. So it really is just uh, word of mouth and uh, yeah, I really appreciate you all not only participating and listening, but sharing, sharing this information with others. I, I, again, I truly believe when we know better, we do better. So let's make this uncommon knowledge common. If you want to get in touch with me again, you can find me on Instagram at holistic Stephanie Marie or on clubhouse at Stephanie center. Those are the two places where I hang out the most. I do have a Facebook group that I try to, I try to posting pretty regularly with just tips and tricks that I find along the way. Facebook's not my favorite, but I do like the Facebook group. That's called, I think you can just do the podcast name Daily Detox and I'll show up. So I try to put some interesting uh, facts in there sometimes. And also that's a good place to find me if you want to see who I'm interviewing and if you want to contribute to asking questions, because I do take questions from that group and put them in my episode. So if there's a topic coming up that you're interested in learning more about, uh, you can, you can put your questions in the Facebook group and who knows, maybe I'll ask it. Yeah. So I hope you all have a great and happy rest of your day, whatever you're out there doing. And I look forward to connecting with you again next time. All right, everyone be well and be kind. Bye.